Welcome to the Bulls and Bears Show, sponsored by Online Trading Academy, the most trusted name in financial education and celebrating 25 years of service. I am Aaron Warby, and I'm here with the incomparable Nigel Cave. All right, well, the title of this podcast today is, uh, you know, what does a 1.1% GDP rise say about a recession? Well, I think that um, we need some context with that guy. Well, I think so. I think so. Yeah. So, you know, the the thing is, is that we're going to get into that a little bit later. But the question that I want you to to think about right now is, is that with a 1.1% raise in the GDP, but a 5% CPI, right? Uh, core core mm-hmm. inflation. Yeah. What does that really say about the GDP? It says it's negative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But I want to start off actually talking about what, you know, today is, is, um, is what, April or May, I'm sorry. May it's 3rd. May 3rd. Mm-hmm. And this was the date that the, uh, the Federal Reserve had their meeting and decided to raise rates by, by 0.25%. Now, that was not unexpected. Okay, 0.25% was very expected. And, and sure enough, they did it. But there was, I think, some market hope out there that they wouldn't do it because of the recent bank failure of, you know, of uh, first, which which one was it? I first, only know the first, ticker symbol. It's FRC. FRC, yeah. It's first first Republic. Republic. Oh, there we first go. First Republic. That's what it is. Yeah, First Republic Bank. Anyway, um, so the, the Fed came out and they said, yeah, we're kind of ignoring that and we're going to go ahead and raise rates by you know, by a quarter percent. Well, actually, the funny thing they said in the meeting that we were listening to right before this is they said, yeah, don't worry about the banks. We've already paid off all of the people who had accounts with them. So instead of that $250,000 FDIC thing, they're like, no, 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 you got money in the account. We're just going to, we're just going to give you that back. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But the FDIC is managed by the Federal Reserve. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean is the FDIC in the sense of, oh, you had a limit of 250,000. That that's kind of disappeared. <laughs> yes, yes, they're they're doing it at a hundred percent right now. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's that's part of what we're seeing. Did you know that uh, in terms of FDIC, more FDIC has been used this year than than was in two thousand eight during that crash. Yikes! Yeah, yeah. Now that might be because of the one hundred percent guarantee instead of the two two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. But actually, larger banks and more banks have failed uh, during this round than failed last time. But they're really keeping that quiet, aren't they? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing to me <laughs> how the news media is just, <clears throat> I, I don't know, they're just kind of going along with whatever. Well, and, and that's, that's the weird thing is that when you, when you look at the Federal Reserve, they even said with uh, Silicon <clears throat> Valley Bank, they said, hey, we stepped in too early. Because mm-hmm. they, they basically were like the little blanket for the little kid. It's okay. Come here. And they just <laughs> coddled them immediately. Like they didn't let anything kind of flounder. They didn't see what was going to happen. They immediately just picked it up. Yeah. It was like, nope, not going to happen. Yeah. Now, the thing is, is that the markets have really largely ignored this. And, and that's been a little bit of a surprise to me, right? So back in 2008, Lehman Brothers fail. Five days later, we just take a market. The market just jumped off a cliff. And mm-hmm. just, ooh. You know, it starts going down and going down hard. Um, so we had SVB as large as, at least by deposits, it's just as large as Lehman Brothers, and it failed. And 
I waited the five days and the markets, yeah, they went down a little bit, but didn't then they really didn't, care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was all right. Signature bank failed. Oh, we absorbed that too. You know, First yep. Republic, we knew it was going to fail. It failed and the markets didn't like it, but it just kind of went along with and it. And Swiss, Swiss something? Yes, it's Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse. There Swiss, we go. Yeah. That yeah, one, that one too failed. Now that was, that's a European bank, but that, that failed. Yeah. So, and then a bunch of regional banks are right there on the edge or failing right now. Well, and, and some people may be wondering why a bank failing is a problem. Well, if you look at the way that we have money in our society, the money isn't, um, typically just doesn't just disappear. It gets transferred from one place to another. Yeah. Well, when you take losses somewhere, you have to go and find that money from somewhere else. Right. And it's the same thing if you if you lose money in the stock market, you have to now pay off that account or get yeah. out of that position. Well, you might have to pull that money from somewhere else. Yeah. So, you know, it's been said by by some that, that the market is a zero-sum game, meaning that every time somebody loses, somebody else wins. Now, with bankruptcies, that's not the case. With bankruptcies, there is an actual market loss uh, because that money just kind of disappears. You, you were holding SVB and you never traded it out, there's not somebody really getting rich off of that. All right. Well, because even if they were shorting, they weren't shorting to the same amount that was actually there. So we do have some loss when there's bankruptcies. And we've we've had our share of bankruptcies. Um, what, Bed Bath & Beyond just slipped in to bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had all of these banks. We've had you know, and and if you're really watching, you'll see that every day there's new bankruptcies popping up. Um, and so we do have some real loss. Now, we're not seeing it in the indexes because the indexes like the S&P 500, mm-hmm. well, that's made up of the 500 best performing companies. First Republic was actually there. Oh, I didn't know that. It was. It's being replaced. Well, and, and yeah. but also just because it's in the top 500 doesn't mean that it has a percentage that will it wasn't, move. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like, a large enough percentage. Yeah, like Apple is like right. 6% of the S&P. Well, if yeah. Apple's 6%, not everything else can be 6%. Yeah, if that Think, failed, you'd see the market go down by at least 6%. Yeah, you'd see a, a big drop, right? <laughs> and if Apple was failing, they're guaranteed there'd probably be other ones that would be going with it. Um, so it's... It's not as easy to say, oh, well, that was in there. So, but if it's worth one tenth of a percent, yeah, eh, it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. So, you know, in spite of all of this, I have been absolutely shocked at how resilient the market has been. It's just been shrugging things off, right? And the thing is, is that even this morning with the, uh, you know, with the Federal Reserve coming out and raising the interest rates by 0.25, uh, the experts are saying that the market is still pricing in, um, cuts the rate cuts by the end of the year mm-hmm. and during the q a after the you know when powell was up on the stand he he was questioned directly by i forget his name from bloomberg mm-hmm. about yeah, yeah, future rate about. cuts and powell indicated no we really don't have any plans right now to do any rate cuts you know they're you know, we'd have to see some significant improvement. We don't see that happening by the end of the year. Well, and I don't think Powell wants to say anything about rate cuts because that will then stimulate people to feel less, maybe spend more money, cause more inflation. It's kind of like that the self-fulfilling prophecy when people say, hey, there's a bunch of inflation. Well, yeah. it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If you say there's a bunch of inflation, people are worried about inflation, they continue to buy things and they just accept the fact that they're more expensive and then you cause more inflation. 
And so it's kind of one of those things where I think Jerome Powell has to walk a very fine line to not say certain things to make people feel better or worse about whatever it is. Well, not only that, but really the, you know, the, the, what he's looking for that will eventually uh, rein in inflation, he's not seeing, right? Mm -hmm. So he said, Hey, we, we have to see improvements in, in core CPI. Well, the last core CPI we had, which was, which was there in March showed that CPI went up or was it March or April? I think it the last one. It was April. It was April. Yeah. yeah. The last one, the core CPI showed that it went up by a tenth of a percent. It went up, mm-hmm. not down. That's the wrong way. Yeah. All right. He said, we've got to be able to control. We're going to have to have more unemployment because as long as, as there's big holes in the employment scene, then people can, you know, demand higher wages because employers need those people to work otherwise their business shuts down well yeah and last and week there was there was more or there was less unemployment claims than they expected they right. expected to grow so again, and it actually decreased way. yeah right but but as long as as long as there's very little unemployment and and people aren't you know there are more jobs out there than there are people willing to work then the employees are going to demand higher wages and the companies will capitulate, mm-hmm. pay higher wages, but that means that they have to get the money from somewhere. So of course they raise their prices and that's the very definition of inflation, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so again, that's another thing that he's just seeing going the wrong way. So yes, for if, if I were in his shoes, I'd say, no, it's, this is premature to talk about any rate cuts. I don't see it happening with the numbers that I've got you know, we're, we're not going to be even talking about rate cuts. Yeah. And I'm not sure what the prediction is for the next meeting. I don't know if there's a hike, if there's a pause, if there's, have you, have you heard anything yet? No, no. Um, Powell's comments on that point were very, um, well, very noncommittal. Mm-hmm. Let's just, let's just say that. All yeah. right. Uh, he didn't want to talk about it. And he just said that, that the data was going to drive the decision-making going forward. But it's very interesting to note that according to Chairman Powell, um, the decision to raise the rates by a quarter percent was unanimous. Hmm. Now, there was earlier in the week, or, well, I guess late last week, there was dissension among some of the members of the board there as to whether it was appropriate to keep raising rates in the when they were facing, you know, bank failures. Yeah. But this morning it was unanimous. We we're raising rates. Yeah. So whatever they're looking at, they're not seeing what they want to see. Yeah. Um, now some of that could be the loss of the petrodollar, and and that that's going to be a real headwind with, um, with uh, trying to control inflation. And if you don't know what the petrodollar is. That might be something we talk about in another show, but it, it's going to be something that really affects uh, the rates going forward, the inflation going forward. It's going to affect a lot of things, and especially in the economy, very negatively for a little while. All right. Um, so, yeah, these are some of the things that that we, we that they're looking at. They're very concerned about. But and the what what the markets are concerned about is that any more rate changes, any more rate hikes are, are going to push the economy into recession. Mm-hmm. All right? And that's a dirty word. So, you know, <laughs> <That's a> dirty- <laughs> yeah, recession, it's, it's obviously a dirty word. That's yeah. not some... People don't like saying it on the news. They don't. 
Well, I do. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Recession. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> yeah. No, the thing is, is that I, I am a believer that people act act appropriately with the right information. And if we're afraid to give them information, we're we're just prolonging a problem. We're making a problem worse somewhere. So I think that you should just have the right information. Uh, so let's talk about inflation. And let's talk about whether we're going into inflation. And if we do, what what do we do about Going that? into inflation? I'm sorry, going into recession. Let's talk about recession. I was like, we are in inflation. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's been inflation for like <laughs> two years almost. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> that word just kind of sticks in my mind. It does, yes. yeah. It's your favorite word. <laughs> One of my favorite. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Lately. Because I, I told you two years ago that this was going to have a really major effect on our economy going forward. When they were printing all that money, and that was before we recognized that we were in, in in inflation. Yeah, you were harping on inflation, and it was. I'm sorry to say this, but it was such a boring topic. I was falling asleep standing up, um, but it was just well, until it, it, it actually w- happened. Well, and then once we experienced yeah. it, it was like, oh, that's what you meant. Yeah. Oh crap! It, it's hard to grasp the <laughs> idea when it's not, when it's kind of in the future, and you're like, I don't really know what that does. Well, and then you feel I it. Get it right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so are we in a an, an, are we in a recession? Well, still not technically, but let's take a look at the indicators of a recession and see if we really are. Because if we accept that we are, then we would act differently than if we weren't. Mm-hmm. I think, right? Okay. So, what is recession? Well, here's five key indicators. There is a decline in real GDP. All right. Which well, we had we, two negative months of GDP. Well, well, negative no, no actually this last one still showed a growth right there was a 1.1 well no no i'm talking like a year ago we did yeah like a year yes, ago a year ago two, two in a row yes which is the indication of recession and then it went positive and then it went positive so, now here's the real question okay we had a 1.1 percent growth in gdp gross domestic product meaning mm-hmm. you know what is produced and sold and for what amount and we total all of that up you know, both both domestically and overseas. We total all of that up and we say, all right, did we spend more um, on on stuff? Did we did we produce more? And, and the idea is, is if we produced more and more is being sold, then obviously uh, we've got the money to prop that up. So gross domestic product is growing, right? Mm-hmm. That's the idea. But now let's look at the reality. So if you have a GDP, a gross domestic product of 1.1%, but a CPI, the inflation rate of 5%, then are we producing more or is stuff just costing more? Did we actually take, more. yeah, we actually went negative by 3.9% in production during that period. Hmm. So I don't know what that says to you, but I would say decline in real GDP. Yes. Well, and that's why earlier when I said that initially, I said that it needs context. Yes. Because I knew what you, you, were saying. you could see a headline that says, hey, growth of 1.1%. If you think that, hey, it's just positive, which means it's good to go, you may be now reconsidering saying, oh, I guess I didn't know all the facts. That's right. Or all the behind the story of whatever that, that number actually indicates. That's right. So congratulations. You just got context. Yes. <laughs> there we go. All right. Uh, Number two indicator, decline in real income or income after inflation is taken into consideration. Again, yes. Hmm. All right. Wage growth has not been as fast as inflation. It's not as high as inflation. 
um, two percent. It's up two percent over the year. But again, we've got inflation of five percent. So yeah, a real loss in spending power of, or a buying power, I guess, of of about three percent. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. A rise in unemployment. Oh, now this is this is where it's it's getting it gets sticky yeah. that, that because we just, actually have a decrease. Yes, we have a decrease in unemployment as people start seeing the word recession, worrying about it, and running to the jobs that they weren't willing to get a year ago mm-hmm. or whatever, right? And, and so that is where, you know, where this board, whoever declares a recession, is going to just hang their hot hats on saying, nope, we're not in recession, even though everything else points to it, mm-hmm. right? Stagnation of industrial production and retail sales, um, Yes, we have seen we have seen stagnation and even loss in those areas, right? Mm-hmm. And finally, decline in s- consumer spending. Well, if you've been looking, <laughs> mm, uh, all right. GDP says says no. People are still spending uh, spending as much, spending a little bit more. Where's the money coming from if wage growth has not uh, caught up with inflation? Credit cards, debt, yes. things like that. Credit cards, yeah. debt, and spending savings. Mm-hmm. So you look at the savings rate; it's down. You look at credit cards; they're up. You look at, you know, any other measure, um, and, and and it's kind of negative. All right. So when it comes down to it, is there a decline in consumer spending? Well, there's a decline in how much they're buying, but not so much the spending because of inflation. Well, but eventually, as we reach. Uh, I mean, I know that our debt is is higher than it's ever been in mm-hmm. um, personal debt, but once we reach a point where people don't have those credit cards anymore, they don't have those personal loans, they don't have whatever it is because they can't afford them anymore. Right, it, you're going to see a, a big halt to a lot of that. I mean, even now they're they're trying to not give as many personal loans or credit cards. They're making it harder to get these things because they know yeah, that definitely. people are just throwing everything they can at them because they don't want to give up the lifestyle that they live. Right. Yep. So um, anyway, so I don't know that they're going to technically call this a recession, but every other chart you would look at would indicate that, yeah, this is recession. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and the market, is it going to react to that, to that? Well, I think it's important to note that the economy will say recession, but the market is not the economy. No. Okay, the the market is run not so much by the numbers. People don't know the numbers. But back when I was first trained, uh, then we were much closer to the numbers, much closer to the market reflecting the re- the economy. But you have to understand what numbers go into that in order to in order to actually see the reaction in the markets or to react to yourself in the markets. So if we have a whole bunch of traders in the markets that never were trained but simply went and established an account at Webull or, you know, whatever. Public or Robinhood. Yeah, Robin Robin Hood. Things are. yeah, and they're doing the trading, then they're going to buy and sell based on no data at all. It's just going to be whatever their little emotions tell them to do. And if the their emotions aren't saying, I'm so scared that I have to sell everything, I want to get out of this altogether, then we're not going to see the effects of the recession. Well, but I think it's it's hard because you have a lot of people who produce news articles who are on the news or on YouTube or whatever it is, trying to sugarcoat every single piece of news that comes out. Yeah. Saying like, oh, no, 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 this looks really, really good. But in all reality, no, this this doesn't look good. 
And if you compare it to other crashes we've had in history, right, we look kind of bad, actually. Yeah, like you said about the 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 banks, right? Um, Silicon Valley Bank was as big as Lehman Brothers. Yeah, why didn't we see the same response? Well, yeah, or even so close. We really should have because we were in the middle of earnings season. Earnings season does not look good. No, I mean it. It really has not looked good at all. And and the thing is, is that. You know, if you know nothing about it, then all you're doing is going off guidance. And was it a miss on guidance or was it a, a win on guidance? Well, guess what, folks? If the pe- person giving the guidance says, I really expect during this next quarter that, you know, we're going to have a really terrible quarter. And then they pull off some magic and it's not quite as terrible, but it's still terrible. Mm-hmm. Then the guidance looks good. Yeah, and it's green. It's guidance. positive. Yeah. Holy cow. I know. I saw a lot of uh, a lot of stocks actually beating earnings beating revenue and their stocks were dropping because mm-hmm. it's still not good no. even though they beat what <laughs> they expected bad. it to be it's still not good <laughs> well yeah but it wasn't it yes they beat what they expected it wasn't good um so it did go down but it didn't go as far down as it really should have could have yeah yeah if 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 everybody out there were educated like I was back in the 90s as to how to actually do the numbers and say all right this company's in trouble this company is doing well then the markets would be down at least another 20, 30 percent mm-hmm. already. All right. But again, because nobody out there, very few people out there, I should say, actually know the numbers, and therefore the majority are not trading by the numbers. We're just trading based on, uh, you know, based on emotions and feelings. Then everything comes down to is the media telling me to be scared or telling me that everything's okay? Is the media saying, oh, we've hit the bottom? And therefore, I should start buying. I can't tell you how many times I hear that a week. Well, and in fact, uh, in Business Insider, um, this article dated April 27th, uh, 2023, said investors are making the wrong bet on recession and it's going to cost them big. And in the article, (laughs) yeah, no kidding. In the article, it said, oh, no, they're all betting on a recession. But no, this is going to turn around and shoot straight up. And I'm looking at the numbers saying... What? Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. If if our stock market just started to rally and started to break new highs again, you got to imagine it would cause more inflation, right? Because people would then feel more comfortable. They'd yeah. have more money and they would start spending more money, which would cause you to have more inflation. Right. But there is so much that is against the markets going up. You know, we've got the Federal Reserve selling stuff off mm-hmm. and that selling action... They're, they're decreasing their portfolio, which dumps more stuff into the market, making it much harder for the market to go up. They're selling. Yeah. Anytime you've got a big seller out there, they're depressing the market. Um, and just because people are willing to buy it doesn't mean it's a good price. Uh, you know, so, so here's the thing. Now I want to discuss what do you do during a recession? How do you handle a recession? Okay, now the the... The, the thing is, is that most people, when they hear the word recession, when they see recession coming, their core nature, human nature is hunker down, right? Just let it pass by me. If I can just weather it out. So don't it, do it's anything. It's not a bear. Hunk yeah. down, hunker down. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. You know, pretend like you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> right? Don't move. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's not what those that that do really well ever do. All right. No. So, so here this in this last week, uh, JP Morgan, um, picked up, uh, picked up first Republic. 
the bank that failed, right? Mm-hmm. And Jamie uh, Damon, the the J.P. Morgan CEO, after the acquisition of First Republic Bank, made the st- statement that during economic upheaval, the strong get stronger. <laughs> now, what does that mean? The upheaval. strong get stronger. Uh, it just means that if you are on, if if you can make money, whatever way the market goes, if it goes down and everybody else is freaking out, and you can make money on the way down. You're gonna have a lot more at the bottom than anybody else. Well, yeah, yeah. So the thing is, is that we're we're trained, you know, mostly in the wrong way. Everybody knows that you have to buy when it's low and sell when it's high. Mm-hmm. But we are trained with our money that when things are crashing, what we should do is just hide, hold it, and hide. Mm-hmm. Right? Obviously, not what those that do really well do. So let's look at some of the examples of those that know what they're doing and see what they're doing. Well, here we've got J.P. Morgan Chase CEO saying, yeah, the strong gets stronger. And what he was saying is, look, I was almost, I was given this bank. I mean, they just gave it to me. I didn't have to take any risks because FDIC just paid off everybody. And now I pick up a whole bunch of depositors. And because it's now in J.P. Morgan's hands and they're saying, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good bank. Right now, I feel more comfortable. They start putting their money back, mm-hmm. and he was given a bank, given more depositors. He just got stronger. Mm-hmm. All right, that's what happens at the bottom of a market. People are giving things away. Warren Buffett once said, um, "Let me see. Let me find the quote." He he said, "You want to know how to get rich? I'll tell you how to get rich. Be greedy when others are fearful, and fearful when others are greedy." What he was saying is is that when things are cheap, that's when you pick them up. That's when you buy. Now, I'm not saying that now is the time to buy. Okay? (laughs) It is certain that people are fearful right now, but we have not seen Berkshire Hathaway start buying. Right? Warren Buffett is not buying right now. In fact, he's sitting on some $88 billion of cash. And what that indicates is he is thinking, all right, we are not yet at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there are people out there that are thinking that we are. There are news articles out there that are saying, yeah, yeah, we've already hit the bottom. All right. Now I'm going to quote somebody totally different. I'm going to quote Andy McIntyre. He once said, if you think education is expensive, try ignorance. Okay. Now the truth of that statement is proving out right now is the majority of the nation is losing wealth. Uh, yeah, and I, I say this all the time. There's there's two types of traders or investors out there. There's people who want to go try it on their own and go guess. Yeah. Typically, they lose quite a bit of money. And then there are people who are trained by professionals on how to trade and invest. And typically, they don't run into nearly as many pitfalls as the people who think they're smarter than the market is. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell you how many people you know, have come to classes and they say, well, I, you know, they come to our free class. Oh yeah. I love this stuff. That That's exactly right. Everything that you said, it's just makes a lot of sense, but I don't know if I want to spend the money to, uh, you know, to take any classes. I just, I just wanted to see how it all worked. And, you know, they were telling me that they were already down 20% in their accounts. And if they were telling more, me, right, yeah, they had a couple hundred grand in their accounts. Hey guys, that 40000 that you just lost, you didn't even get any education out of it. Yeah. All right? You, you could have. You didn't have to lose that. So Andy McIntyre was right. Education expensive? <laughs> Try ignorance. Yeah. Right? <laughs> All right. Anyway, 
Yeah. Uh, so the those that do it right. Here's Charlie Munger in a recent interview, and he's admitting that Berkshire Hathaway is still sitting on $88 billion worth of cash because they can't find anything that they believe is a good price, indicating that right now is not the bottom. Otherwise, they'd be saying, all right, now I've got things on sale. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm going to buy. Uh, so this indicates the exact opposite of the Business Insider article. And Charlie and Warren Buffett believe that things need to become less expensive before they buy. So they're still waiting it out. Now, who's right? Business Insider or Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger? And also, who has more um, cash to lose? Probably yeah. Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. Yeah, not the author there. Yeah. Whoever said that. And, and notice, you know, that w- when they do articles about that, you rarely see any big names attached to it. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to be quoted saying things like that, that actually has a reputation that they want to protect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, that, that might be a telltale sign that you don't have to believe everything that's, that's in the media. All right. And, and Charlie Munger you know, he's never been known to mince words. In fact, lately, he's really stepped up his wry criticism of the financial world. Now, the financial world is due for criticism every time they do something stupid. And it always they're always doing things stupid at the beginning and middle of any recession or market drop or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. So he's uh, recently likened Bitcoin to rat poison. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's talked about the stock market as gambling parlor for, you know, for most uh, stock brokerages that are encouraging risky investing. He's compared meme stock traders to heroin addicts. <laughs> yep. And oh. this last weekend, he continued his long uh, criticism of 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 the uh, of his own industry. Right now that he's not saying, look, you, you know, don't invest or trade. That's not what he's saying because he's still doing it. Yeah, He's saying that people that are doing it and the advisors and things like that. Um, in fact, in fact, here's another quote. He said that um, investment managers these days are nothing more than fortune tellers and astrologers who are dragging money out of their clients' accounts. And that's a quote he gave to the Financial Times, by the way. And dragging money out of their accounts by fees. putting them in things they shouldn't be putting yeah. them in and also fees. Yeah. You know, and so he's not really happy with the way things are going. And I agree with him, you know, because I see I see financial planners still still saying the same stupid things. Oh, we well, I see people come in here to the free class all the time. They're like, oh, my financial pl- planner told me that I should just continue to buy more. And I'm like, yeah, it's because they don't want to lose their salary. Yeah, that's that's a part of it. <laughs> Sorry, but that's it's kind of the way that it works. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. During this time, you know, we've given a lot of bad news and you would be tempted right now to just go and hide. All right. Well, I'm a Marine and let me tell you about hiding. Okay. When the bullets start flying, the worst thing you can do, the first thing you do is you take cover, right? You just jump down. Now, human tendency, if I'm behind a log and there's bullets flying around, I just want to stay there. Mm -hmm. But Training would show me and experience would now show me that that is the absolute stupidest thing you can do. All right. Mm-hmm. That, that is certain death. Staying there just allows the, the enemy to come and find you. And believe me, in a recession, they're going to find you. They're going to come and find right? you. Yeah. Inflation is finding you. Your money is still exposed in the markets. The markets are going down. It is certain death to just sit there. Okay. 
those that will make it in the end are going to be those that have the wherewithal to find the bottom or near the bottom and buy there. Mm-hmm. And this is this is a proven strategy, okay? In fact, this is what you're trying to do all the time. I don't care what you're in. The key is buy low, sell high. Well, you don't get any lower than the recession, the bottom of the recession. You don't get any lower than that. So the key is to know how to find where it's at the bottom. Or at least be prepared for it. And Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, while they say that they don't market time, they certainly say, well, I only buy it when it's really cheap. And here they are sitting on $88 billion dollars thinking, yeah, things are going to get more cheap. They're kind of time in the market. They're time in the market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what do you invest in? Well, let me give you some advice, okay? You have to know what to invest in when you hit the bottom because even at the bottom, there are things that are going to be failing for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. And so you have to learn how to buy nice so you don't have to buy twice. All right. You have to know what to look for in a good company. And in a coming, um, in a coming not segment, what, what podcast, we're mm-hmm. going to talk about how to find the bottom and how to find where the company bottom is yeah. and which companies are actually going to survive. So we'll, we'll talk about that in another one. Uh, right now, what you really need to know is that you shouldn't be just hiding. You should be finding a way to move things forward. And how do you find a way to move things forward? Well, you have to know what you're doing. How do you know what, what you're doing? Come in, join us. And when it's, it's a free class, three hours, three hours. Can't hurt you. Can't hurt you. All right. But it's going to be three hours well spent. So come in and take our three hour free trading and investing class. We'll talk about all of these things, uh, the methodologies, the strategies. We talk about trading. We talk about investing. All right. Growth and uh, even some dividends. All right, because at, especially at Market Bottoms, I like dividends. So come in and join us for one of those three-hour classes. All right, um, easy to get in. Just uh, give us a text. Text the word income to 25029 or go to www.tradingacademy.com and you can register right there. You can see all of our classes and register right there, okay? Or you can join us for those that have been trading and you just need an extra leg up. You, you were doing well when the market was going up and maybe not so well now. And so you know that you needed something a little bit better. All right. Come in and join us in a three-day class. All right. Now, this one will cost you. It's typically $299. But during the three-day class, we talk about all of the same trading, um, the investing, but we go into some real detail. And this is where we start learning how to really do it. And this is where we learn how the markets like um, options, futures, Forex work, and how to get into those and, and why you would get into those. All right. So if you're a little bit more advanced, just uh, join us in one of those three-day classes. Uh, the three-day class, generally $299. But if you text us at 25029, that's the number, text dollar sign nine nine to that 25029, then you can get that three-day class for just $99. All right, that's 66% off. So join us. We'd love to see you. And I hope you enjoyed the show. Listen up for the next installment where we will probably be talking about how to find the bottom and and uh, what to look for when you do reach the bottom. And we'll see you later.